You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. The Gospel of John, we're gonna be in chapter six, and the verses will not be on the screen, so I encourage you, and if you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab one of the Bibles right there. I'm gonna be reading from the NIV. If you use your phone, uh, feel free to join us um, in the NIV translation. So, and the Bible's there available to you or in the NIV, but John chapter six. So there's all these names of God. And by the way, if you've not got one of these packets, they're available right there under the Jesus sign. We have been examining 25 different names for Jesus. This title of the series is His Name Shall Be. And as I've been asking the Lord to help me what are the names, Lord, that you want me to share each Sunday? I felt impressed on my heart to actually to talk about the bread of life as one of his names. Now, this name for me, I'm like, so this is the way I think, right? You are God, imagine for a second, and you have infinite everything. You, you, have, you have the ability to speak light into existence. You have the ability to calm the waves just by speaking to it. You have the ability to do incredible miracles. You are God. Out of all the ways as God that you could imagine describing yourself as, Lion of Judah sounds awesome. Alpha and Omega sound awesome. I mean, these are great descriptors. Listen, my power is unlimited. I'm the beginning, I'm the end, yes. And yet, out of all the ways that he describes himself, it's the bread of life. And I, I would imagine, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid, but like when you were a kid, when I was a kid and I started imagining and pretending certain things, if it wasn't like, hey, my dad can beat up your dad or something like that, it was like, man, if you got ever to a thing with superpowers, I would always escalate to, I have the ultimate superpower, no one can defeat me ever. That mentality was a little bit of what I carried in my imagination as a kid. And so when I think about God who has unlimited everything, one of the ways that he describes himself to us is bread, the bread of life. And when the story we're getting ready to read does that, there is incredible significance for our lives today and why him saying that actually can impact the way we think about things and how we live and maybe what God wants to do in our life. So John chapter six, I'm gonna read a lot of verses. I'm gonna go verse 25 all the way down to 40 and then we're gonna pull some points and it's a very simple message today because I wanna give space at the end for worship. And I'm gonna be examining three different scenes of life in which I have found this, seen this play out. And then we're gonna go. So I'm gonna read all of it, a lot of verses, and then we're gonna break it down. Here it goes. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very, uh, very truly, I tell you, you, are, you uh, that you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed but because you ate of the loaves and had your fill. By the way, can I just stop here? Do you see how Jesus completely ignores their question? Have you ever felt like you asked God a question and he completely went in with something else? I want you to see this is a regular occurrence. They said, how did you get here? He ignores the question and goes, and the reason, let me, the reason why God does this is because God is not a surface level God. He's a root issue God. And he's gonna be talking about root issue stuff. And they're not gonna get it right away. But if we can allow ourselves to join in the conversation to find out why he calls himself this, it's significant. I just wanted to highlight that. I've, 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 anyway, 
Yes, he doesn't do things the way that we would expect or see. So, and by the way, basically, he basically says, you're here, you're asking because I gave you food, which is, which is, I would sign up on that bandwagon all day long. I love, so I'm like, I understand why they're asking. All right, verse 27, sorry, all right, here we go. Um, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God, the Father, has placed his seal of approval. So Jesus doesn't answer their question of how he got there. And then he says, there's bread that is so much more significant than the bread that can spoil. So they're thinking to themselves, now you have to understand the context. Just a couple of moments earlier, or just before this, they had witnessed one of the most incredible miracles that's written in the Gospels. It's where Jesus feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And here Jesus is, and you can imagine, they must be like, wow, you can take two fish, five loaves, feed everybody, and now you're saying that there's a bread that doesn't spoil and to live for that? So in their minds, they're like, we went in on that. Like, we, give us that bread, right? So they asked him, what must we do uh, what, what, uh, what must we do to do the works that God requires? So Jesus said, there's bread. And in and, and their minds, they're like, well, okay, tell us what we gotta do. If you could tell us what to do so that we can get access to this bread, this is gonna be great. <laughs> Verse 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my father who gives you the true bread that comes from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Like sign me up for this one. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. We'll end there. There is so much packed in here and we're gonna unpack it in the next little bit, okay? Here's the first thought is simply this. I believe with all my heart it, that it's what we don't see that matters most in life. It's what we don't see that matters most in life. I, having grown up in the church, I grew up in the church, my parents were charismatic and I grew up in the charismatic church, but then I went to private Baptist schools and so I was very confused as a kid. And in the different environments that I was in, there's different interpretations of what faith is. And so one of the things that's helped me a lot is to understand that faith is not pretending and faith is not wishing. Faith is trusting that God is good, regardless of what you see. And, and so when you can believe that God is good regardless of what you see, there's the understanding that, wait a second, we can't actually, there's a lot going on in the world that we can't wrap our hands around, in the, in the world that is not physical. Think about your life and some of the deepest pain that you experienced 
is not physical pain, it's pain of the heart. And so it's what we cannot see that matters most. So here Jesus is, and he's talking to them about bread. What they think is it's bread that they can see, bread that they can eat. And so they say to themselves, you just did this miracle. Can you not give us this bread? And they say, what do we have to do to get this bread? And Jesus is like, believe in me. That's how you get the bread. And then they're like, okay, well, well, uh, we don't fully understand fully because what's happening is in their minds, they're wrapping their minds around, I need to be able to see it. And what Jesus is wanting to do is actually go to the heart issue. It's what you don't see that matters most. And then he says this, I am the bread of life. And anyone, listen, he says, that would believe in me. How I, it, it's, there is a gift that forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, because of what Jesus did on the cross and how he rose again, that this changes eternity for anybody who believes that he is who he is. And what's happening is, is they're thinking about bread. Like this just bread that you can just eat. Now listen, there's all different kinds of bread. Can I just tell you that I am not keto friendly? I love bread. I love it. I love all different kinds of bread. My, my, if my food pyramid is potato and bread next to each other. And like vegetables are like the, like the bottom. Like I love bread. And, and they're so stuck on what they can see. I want you to hear, they're so stuck on what they, on what they can see that they miss the work of God in their life. And I wonder how many of us get so stuck on the things that we can see that we might miss what God's wanting to do in the areas that we cannot see. And yet it's the areas that we cannot see that have the biggest impact and change. I told you I'm gonna tell you three scenes. Let me, let me, let me show you how this plays out in scene number one. Scene number one, my wife and I lived in Managua, Nicaragua, which is in Central America, it's a country. My parents lived there for about 20 years. And we, we were down there, we were serving, and we launched a missions program that we still partner with today. And when we moved down to Managua, Nicaragua, city of about a million and a half people, we realized that in this city, there's this market. And it's called the Oriental Market, El Mercado Oriental. And at the Oriental Market, it's 35 square city blocks. It's massive. Now, Nicaragua is the second poorest country in all of the Western Hemisphere. So North, South, and Central America, the only country that is more poor than Nicaragua is Haiti. Outside of that, so there's extreme poverty in Nicaragua. So how do people make it in Nicaragua? Well, the, really the only people who are able to make it or, or, or get by in this country is that there's this market, there's 35 city blocks all combined together with all of these vendors in there that sell things at prices that people can afford. And let me show you a picture of what the Oriental market looks like. And it's massive. Now, when we moved there, we started actually picking kids up from the Oriental market because people live in the market People, just where, they, where they do their businesses in the market. And the thing about the Oriental market is it's really dangerous. And in the Oriental market, there's multiple brothels. There's people who are living with absolute nothing. And in the Oriental market, there's, it's just unbelievable. In fact, I... I would go to the ordinary market and I would do, be on the outskirts and I would get, we would invite kids and we would bring kids on a bus to our, student, our, our, our kids center and we would evangelize to them and love them and we would visit them on Fridays in their homes as much as we were able to. But there were some kids who lived in parts of the market that were so unbelievably dangerous and the darkness in the market was so substantial. 
And there's this lady, her name is Fatima, Nicaraguan. And Fatima's story goes like this. She was born into an unbelievably broken home and she was abused by her stepfathers. And the business that the family had was prostitution. And so when she was 13, and my daughter is 14, when she was 13, they, they put her into the family business. And at that age, she started going in and, and doing the different jobs. And in growing up, Fatima's story is that she witnessed her mom get beat on multiple occasions. So she determined in her heart when she was older, she was never gonna be the, the one getting a beat down. She said, I'm gonna be the stronger one as much as I'm able to in these things. And so age of 13, she finds herself in the market, the Oriental market like this, and, and she's in there. And it seems like there's no way out of this unbelievable, miserable existence of a life. Until one day, a medical team from the US, doctors and nurses and dentists, find themselves in Nicaragua. They're doing a medical clinic at House of Hope. And at House of Hope, they decide, we're gonna leave House of Hope and we're gonna go to where the women are and evangelize them and tell them about Jesus and see if they wanna get out of this. So they go into the market just like this and they bring the gospel of Jesus. She hears the gospel of Jesus and literally, like, Two, three day, days later, she gets out of that market, goes and starts living at House of Hope. She gives her life to Christ and she's never been back since. And I heard her say this. And, and these are the words that she said. I'm gonna, actually, can I show you a picture of Fatima? So, and it just, it's, and by the way, her kids are some of the kids that we're sponsoring for Christmas to go to school. But these were Fatima's words. She goes, I used to have to use my body to pay my way. But I met a God who uses his body to now pay for me. And then, and then she got a micro grant. And do you know what she started with the micro grant to do a business? You know what her micro grant's for? To make bread. And she is doing so well at selling bread that she has to hire other people to help her do it. But when she said, I used to have to use my body to make my way until I met a God who used his body. So Jesus is talking with the people and he says there's bread. And they can't wrap their minds around it. But you read scripture, by the way, this bread, you know what happens to the bread? It was broken. The body was broken. Why? For us. We're so focused on what we can see when God is after this. I don't know how you came today, but can I tell you God is after this? This is what God's after in your life. Let me, let me give you some thoughts real quick, ready? Just, these are some side, side thoughts. I wanna encourage and challenge you to guard against taking forgiveness for granted. I think we hear the gospel message so much that I think it's easy to look at it and be like, oh yeah, I can just be, yeah, it's whatever. Do you know how you can get to a place where you don't take forgiveness for granted? Is look at what it costs God to forgive. And then we, let's just not take it for, let me give you another one, ready? We need a guard against taking heaven for granted. 
So Jesus is talking to them and they don't understand because they're focused on what they can see. Let me give you the second thought and the next scene and then the third one. So the first one is that it's what you don't see that matters most. The next thing I want, you to, I want to talk about is this, is that it takes daily faith to experience daily bread. Now look at me. The scripture we just read says this. Jesus said, there's bread that doesn't spoil. They said, give us that bread. They were focused on, get, they were focused on the element of like, how do we get that bread? And Jesus is looking at them. He's like, listen, how you get this bread, what are the works of God? It's faith. Do you see it? It's faith. If you have faith, then you have access to the bread. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so it's actually our faith that gives us access to this. And when you look at scripture, you look at the manna that Jesus talked about, you look at the Lord's prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread, that it takes daily faith in Jesus to experience the bread that God wants us to be able to have. You cannot overlook this piece. Because God is a God of relationship. He's a God of daily. He's a God of, listen, when you wake up in the morning, his mercies are new. So it takes daily, takes daily. And, and, and this bread to have access to it, Jesus says, listen, it takes faith. That's what it takes to actually have this bread. It takes faith. Faith in me. That's what it takes. So that we would have faith in Jesus. And by the way, their emphasis was on what do we need to do with our works? Jesus is telling them, stop living for what doesn't matter. He basically says, you're living for bread that spoils. You're living for things that are gonna go rotten. Stop doing it. And they were only focused on what do we need to do to get the bread you're after? And Jesus is like, stop living for these other things. And one of the things that faith does, ready? Is it changes the purpose of your life to not live for things that don't matter anymore. It shifts it. So then we have faith in Jesus and then we all of a sudden start living for things that matter more than what we used to think because our faith is different. Our faith is founded in who he is. Scene number two. Two and a half years ago, I got a call late on a Saturday night. And by the way, I got permission to tell this story. I got a call late on a Saturday night and the person who called me was clearly distressed. And they said a, a family in our church, a beautiful, precious family in our church, the husband died. And I said, oh my goodness, it was completely unexpected. They said, when can, when, when can you come? I said, I'm on my way. So I hopped in my car, it might have been 11 o'clock, I don't remember, 10, 11.30, I don't remember at night. Hop in the car. And then I said, how did, how, did he, how did he die? And they said, he took his own life. His wife was home and he went in the bathroom and he shot himself. And immediately my heart just began to break. And the reason, the reason I'm telling you this story is because I know that there's loss in this room. And so I, I drive over to the house and, and I, see, I see the family and there's brokenness and I, and, and I said, we pray together and we're there. And in my mind, I'm like, Lord, please be with this family. Lord, please guide them in the midst of navigating through this. And over the next several days, the church poured out their love. We had the funeral service in the church and Several pastors came from out of state to be able to do that. But I watched as his wife, who a lot of people in this room know who it is, Miss Donna, when I called her this week, she goes, I want you to be able to share everything openly. And I said, okay. Miss Donna in our church, 
She told me this story to the side. She goes, Jeremy, not long afterwards, I was in the shower and God spoke to me. And God reminded me of Jeremiah 29, 11. The verse many of us know. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm me, plans to give you a hope and a future. And she said, I felt like God told me in the shower that God still has good plans for me, even if it looks different than I would have thought. And if those of you who do know Miss Donna, I have not seen a godlier approach to this from anyone. And I honor Miss Donna in her life. Do you know what Miss Donna has done? She has gone to the word of God and said, I'm gonna stand on this. She has honored her husband. She has been with her family. And day after day, Miss Donna has gone with faith to Jesus. How good, how good is God? It's been two and a half years since that moment. And in navigating those thoughts, I wanna read for you what Miss Donna sent me to say. She says this, Jesus is our bread of life. To me, this brings up the thoughts of provision and nourishment and sustenance, a trait that he has proven to me many times over through the years in ways that I didn't see coming. When Jesus taught us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Luke 1, 11, 3, give us this day our daily bread. Coincidence? I don't believe so. We need to have a daily encounter with Jesus to build our relationships with him. He reveals himself through the word. So every day we need to take in the word, even if it's just one verse a day. I'm blessed to have learned many years ago that God is always speaking to us. We just have to take the time to train our spiritual ears to hear him. I have found him in the quiet times, the stressful times, and the grieving times. The Holy Spirit will gently and sweetly bring scripture to my mind. It may be one, it may be one I have learned as a child or one that I have read that morning. He will bring them back to my memory and use it to assure me that he is with me. He is protecting me. He is providing for me. He is giving me peace that can only be called beyond understanding. You have a woman in Nicaragua and a woman right in our community, both impacted by a bread that brings life. So I'm gonna talk about two obstacles. Why don't we experience this from time to time? Ready? Number one, I think sometimes we don't experience this. The reason we wrestle with faith, here's an obstacle to faith, is that we want God to prove himself. And the story we just read in John chapter six, you know what they said? What sign will you give us to prove to us that you are who you say you are? And it'd be easy to bash them, but how many times have we gone to God and said, God, prove yourself? God, show yourself how you're gonna pull this off. Here's another thing, ready? We tend to focus on outcomes when true faith should be in a person. I want you to see this. In the story, they said, Moses and manna from heaven. Do you know what Jesus said? No, 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 it wasn't Moses who did it. You know who did it? My father. That's a person. And so when we have our faith, we don't put our faith in outcomes and how things should be. You know what we put our faith is? In a person, in a creator who is the bread of life and the sustainer. And when I look at Miss Donna's life and when I see her today, she just led a Bible study. She, by the way, she leads our Bible studies in our church. And she teaches from God's word. And when you see her, there is such peace that passes understanding. Not easy, but God's with her. It's absolutely spectacular. This is what Jesus is talking about with this. The third thing, and then we're done, is this. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on stage as we wrap up and end worship. The third thing I want you to see from this bread of life thing, and I want you to see is this. A hard heart can never be satisfied. After Jesus talks to all the people who are listening to him. 
and he talks about a bread that's gonna bring life. Do you see how afterwards, if you keep reading, they started grumbling? They just didn't get it. A hard heart. So you can come to church, but if you come with a hard heart, you may not experience what God actually has because a hard heart will never be satisfied. If God is the bread of life and the heart is hard, you will never actually want to engage. You don't want to, what the Bible says is taste and see that the Lord is good. So the last scene, I know a pastor who got into a place in his life where there was just a lot of pain. And in that pain, he felt like somewhere along the way, people who he thought loved him turned against him. This pastor became really, really bitter, bitter at God. God, where are you? Where? I I don't understand. I don't see this. And this pastor's heart began to get really hard. This pastor's right here in the upstate and would fight God at night, would, would, would not be nice in, to his family because his heart began to get hard. God, where are you? I don't see you. What are you doing? This pastor's heart got so hard and he felt like he was even in a loop of he couldn't get out of it because bitterness had <clears throat> began to set in until someone came and said, you need to repent to this pastor. And something about the way they said it hit the pastor in a certain way. And he said, okay, you know what? I don't want to continue going on this path of bitterness. I don't want my heart to be hard. So he opened up to Psalm 51, which is a Psalm of repentance. And this pastor right here in the upstate began to pray this Psalm out loud. And the Psalm goes like this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin are always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time that my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. When I got to when you read that, when the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This pastor was ready to walk away from everything because his heart had gotten so hard. And this passage of scripture changed the hardness of heart. And then I'd be, and then then that pastor, by the way, was me. I wanted to walk away from everything. And my heart had grown hard before God. This is before Renovation Church even existed. And I got on my knees before God and I prayed that prayer out loud. And I said, God, forgive me. The reason I tell you this is because you can hear a message about God being the bread of life and walk away and get nothing, not because God's not doing something, but because your heart might be hard. So here's my challenge, ready? How do you not have a hard heart? Confess and be grateful. You know why? He's the bread of life. 
paid with his body. And whether you feel or not, he is worthy of it all. How many of you are grateful to your king today because of what he's done? How many of you are thankful for who he is? That of all the things that he could declare himself as, the bread of life that was broken for our sins, listen, this bread of life that sustains us, that transforms us, he is good and he is good and he is good and he is worthy of all the praise. Let our hearts not be so hard that we miss what he's wanting to do. He gave us eternity in heaven with him so those that have gone before us are in his hands and we know that those that trust in him will join them in heaven with him forever. But between now and then, we don't have to make it on our own. We can be sustained on his strength We can be sustained on his word. We can be sustained in his guidance. He is the bread of life. We need not walk this world aimlessly anymore. We need not be aimless. It is not about us. It is about the bread of life for us that we walk and engage with him. I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're gonna end with worship. And I don't know how you came to church today. My hope and prayer. And by the way, this is what we're gonna do today. It's a little bit different. We have our prayer team that's gonna be in the back. If you want prayer, if you want anyone to pray over you, they're gonna have a lanyard. If you just wanna come and pray to the Lord just yourself, you can come right up here and kneel and pray if you want. I wanna ask you to turn your attention to the Lord this morning, to the bread of life. And this is what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you need to confess, confess. If you need to be grateful to God, be grateful. Don't leave church with a hard heart. He is the bread of life for all of us. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.